The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers. Leaders are the heartbeat of any organization. Let Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler share with you the pathway to becoming a top leader in your organization. Now, here are your hosts, Dr. Greenberg and Dr. Nadler. Welcome to Leadership Development News, hosted by Dr. Kathy Greenberg and Dr. Relly Nadler. I'm Allison Childs with the Center for Creative Leadership. Kathy and Relly have helped thousands of people like you become better performers, managers, and leaders with their unique approaches to coaching. Dr. Relly Nadler is a master level certified executive coach with the International Coaching Federation. A psychologist, corporate leadership, and team trainer, Dr. Nadler brings his expertise and emotional intelligence to all his keynotes, consulting, coaching, and training. Dr. Nadler's Leaders Playbook provides hundreds of tools and strategies to develop star performers. For more information and free tools by Relly Nadler, go to www.truenorthleadership.com. New York Times bestselling author Kathy Greenberg wins hearts and minds around the world with her internationally acclaimed books on the new science of happiness, including what happy companies know and what happy working mothers know. Kathy is available for a variety of consulting and coaching programs where you can learn to apply her unique happiness equals profit business formula. For more on Kathy's coaching, tools, consulting, and keynote speaking, go to www.h2cleadership.com or www.whathappyworkingmothersknow.com for free tips and downloads. Welcome to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers, co-hosted by myself, Kathy Greenberg, and Dr. Riley Nadler. Dr. Nadler is on vacation this week, so I hope you'll enjoy our show today. We're going to talk to you about the thousands of leaders and executives who we help perform in the top 10%. And I hope you'll enjoy the conversation we're going to have with John McNeil. CEO and President of Cancer Treatment Centers of America at Eastern Regional Medical Center. Today we're going to focus on what does it take to make cancer an enemy of all and what does it take to fight it with all of your emotional gusto. We're going to talk to John McNeil, and I want to start the show with a quote from John. He says, Cancer Treatment Centers of America is one of the only hospitals in the country and the only one in the region practicing a true model of integrative care. At Cancer Treatment Centers of America, oncologists work closely with on-staff nutritionists, mind-body therapists, naturopathic doctors, physical therapists, and spiritual support to treat the whole person and provide therapeutic outcomes while maximizing side effects. The Cancer Treatment Center of America team of practitioners meets three times weekly as a group on behalf of each patient to ensure that care is total, coordinated, and more importantly, compassionate. The open line of communication between each patient's care 
um, and their care providers means we can better determine progress and optimize results. John, um, we are so delighted to have you with us today. And before I bring you on, I just want to give our listeners a few background uh, statistics and some information on why we believe leadership and this program, Development News on Leadership, is so important. We know that leaders are the heartbeat of any organization, but most leaders will really underestimate just how much influence they have on others, and as a result, they and their teams can underperform. But doing just a few things differently can dramatically improve your performance and your organizations. And what we bring in every show are some tips and tools to help you learn more about how to develop leaders in your organization, what happy companies know about performance, something about emotional intelligence and positive psychology strategies to be your best and to bring out the best in others. We share brain and neuroscience contributions to being a top performer, as well as generation and gender differences to create what we think is work-life balance practices to be your best and to help others who may have a style difference or a gender or generation difference also be their best. We all love strategies for managing our boss, but we also need some strategies for managing ourselves. So we'll give you lots of tools and tips in every show, including today in our discussion with John McNeil, CEO and President, Cancer Treatment Centers of America at Eastern Regional Medical Center. What Relly and I also want you to know about leadership is just a few statistics. You know that leadership is really a science. And leadership, once you understand it's a science, can be practiced. You can develop skills and talents and increase your capability as a leader. You can actually increase performance by as much as 77% while increasing your life and professional satisfaction by as much as 50% with coaching. And as Relly and I are doing at Excel Institute, Peer-peer coaching is the future. You know, Warren Bennis said it best when he said, the leaders of the future are not the leaders who have all the right answers, but the leaders who know how to ask the right questions. So the the key to being a star performer is someone performing in the top 10% using emotional intelligence. And as you know, Relly and I are real high now on this Excel Institute where emotional engagement meets leadership performance. And we're hoping that you'll understand that when coaching is added to training, a person's productivity is enhanced by 88%, while training alone is only 22%. So we're going to talk to you about some micro-initiatives you can use based on John McNeil's performance track record as a leader at Cancer Treatment Centers of America. So with that said, let me tell you a little bit about John, and then we'll welcome him to the show. Mr. McNeil came to Philadelphia in late 2004 to lead Cancer Treatment Center in establishing its Eastern Regional Medical Center. And before this, John was Chief Operating Officer at Cancer Treatment Center of America's Southern Western Regional Medical Center in Tulsa, Oklahoma. It's a comprehensive cancer center recently recognized by the American College of Surgeons Commission on Cancer as an Outstanding Achievement Award recipient. And prior to joining Cancer Treatment Centers of America, John served a prominent 21 hospital health system in a variety of executive roles, including corporate director and president and CEO. John, welcome to the show. Thank you, Kathy. It's a pleasure to be here with you. Well, as you can see, I'm so excited I can barely get the words out. (laughs) (laughs) So as we move forward... 
We have one key question, John, that we ask all of our guests right off the bat, and that is, who have truly been the most influential people, thinkers, and, if you will, any kind of a leader in your life and your career who shaped who you are in your thinking? Uh, Kathy, I've been very, very blessed to have had uh, a number of people in my life, uh, starting from my earliest memories with my family. Uh, my my father, who was a a Scottish carpenter with a with an incredible work ethic, proud that he never missed a day of work his entire life, and uh, and uh, my mother, a a, a German lady uh, of uh, both uh, Jewish and English descent, who uh, who was a nurse, and uh, and uh, and so the strong start with family values and work ethic uh, certainly. Uh, probably the most important influencers in in my life. But then adding to that, uh, people along life's journey, including uh, people like Frank Duper, who was many years the president of uh, of a prominent healthcare system on the West Coast, and uh, a man with a finance background, who grew so far beyond that, um, who taught me the real meaning of the concept of people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And uh, that was Frank, and uh, and then there was uh, Lee Kaiser, who's a who's a healthcare futurist, who who has a way of uh, of making you think, and uh, and drawing out your thinking in ways that uh, sometimes surprise you, uh, asking uh, pointed questions and taking your minds. Uh, it's just a it's just a whole whole way of thinking that he teaches, and uh, and the importance of. Uh, of uh, the intuitive leadership and uh, and of uh, uh, of uh, seeing life differently and uh, and just uh, couldn't say enough about the importance of of Lee Kaiser and uh, another person uh, Earl Bakken who was the board chairman of the hospital that I was at in Hawaii and uh, and uh, Earl was the inventor of the pacemaker and the founder of Medtronic and a man who really understood that, that in the end, the customer always gets what the customer wants. And uh, a man that used to be ridiculed for saying that uh, managed care won't be successful because managed care doesn't give the customer what the customer wants. And yet, uh, from the 90s, when we saw such rigid managed care examples uh, that I fear our nation may be having a certain amount of return to, where they got very rigid with... Uh, no out-of-network benefits and that kind of thing. And then the reaction as there were anti-managed care laws and there were more flexible entrepreneurial plans that evolved that provided consumer choice because of what Earl understood so well, the customer gets what the customer wants. And, uh, and, uh, and Dick Stevenson, who's the founder and chairman of Cancer Treatment Centers of America, who's one of the brightest people I've had the privilege of working with, who, uh, who uh, has a guiding principle uh, that he wants every patient in these centers to get the kind of care he wished he could have found for his mother back uh, around 1980 before Cancer Treatment Centers of America existed, the kind of care he wished he could have found for his mother and could find nowhere, and that's really a guiding principle for us, is, is to... Uh, to treat every patient as our family. In fact, they, they become our family. And, uh, and uh, we, we love them. They love us. And at the same time, we don't forget that they're also our boss. I have the title president and CEO 
but everyone knows here they don't really work for me. We together work for each and every patient. Wow. That was huge. I, I loved when you said, and I believe it's something Frank said, they know how much you care. And then the, the Kaiser Institute, the integration of intuition and learning um, how to be your best, the whole idea that, that Earl shared on being um, more attuned to flexible consumer choices. And, of course, our dear Richard Stevenson, uh, chairman of Cancer Treatment Centers of America, who has now helped us all establish the mother standard of care. That's outstanding. Let me ask you a follow-on question to that, John, and that is why a career in hospital services? What, what brought you to who you are in this role today? You know, I think we all have life experiences, sometimes good, sometimes bad, that collectively make us who we are, and even the bad can, can make us stronger and, uh, and prove to have great meaning to who we become. And, uh, and I think back to some of my earliest memories of, of cancer when I was three years old, my, mother, my grandmother getting sick and, and dying in a fairly short period of time of cancer. My grandfather, her husband, uh, uh, grandparents on my mother's side. Uh, after his wife, my grandmother died, he, he, she died of cancer and complications of cancer. He died of failing to live after that, simply quit living and died within six months. And so the early memories, uh, followed by on my father's side, my grandfather who shared a birthday with me, I now share a birthday with my son. And, and that grandfather who I was very close to, partly because of the shared birthday, it just created more of a bond. And when I was 10, right after we had shared a birthday together, uh, my dad came home and said, Grandpa's been admitted to the hospital for cancer. And I said, I want to go see him. Dad took me to the hospital. They wouldn't let me in because hospitals, they said, were no place for children. And Grandpa died in that hospital. He, was, he had gotten an infection, gangrene. He was in isolation. Dad said they'd only let him in for five minutes out of the hour. He'd have to put on yellow gown and hat and mask and gloves that I couldn't really touch him except through the gloves. And then he could only stay for five minutes. And I've always imagined that Grandpa died, I doubt, too far from the truth, alone, without family, afraid. And alone. John, I'm going to ask you on that very poignant story to just pause. We're going to take a quick break and we're going to come right back here to Leadership Development News and talk to you more as an inspiring voice for all of us to understand the importance of the mother standard of care at Cancer Treatment Centers of America. So don't go away. We'll be right back. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Most leaders underestimate their influence and power over others and thus underperform. Dr. Relly Nadler and Leaders Playbook help leaders point the way by providing the strategic place to get to the top in a simple paint-by-the-numbers process. Seasoned and emerging leaders will have answers to these questions. What are the steps to move up and become a star in your organization? How do you develop your people to be the next level leaders in the organization? What are your triggers that are holding you back and how do you manage them? How do you maximize your power and influence so you and your team perform better? What do you do to ensure your communication is received accurately? 
do you delegate effectively? How do you develop strong relationships across the organization? Emotional intelligence training, coaching, books, and tools by Dr. Nadler are available at his website, www.truenorthleadership.com or 805-683-1066. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. listening to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers with your hosts, Dr. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We know you have leadership questions for these noted experts, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Leadership Development News. We're having a wonderful discussion, a deep discussion with John McNeil, CEO and President of Cancer Treatment Centers of America, Eastern Regional Medical Center. John, tell us a little bit about the kind of work that you do and the type of clients you work with today. Um, And this is really geared at helping our audience understand a little bit more about who you are and what you do before we continue our discussion. Certainly. It's a the work we do is in our name, although I don't, uh, our name, it would be too long to put it, uh, what we really do. Cancer Treatment Centers of America is our name. And, and what I mean by the name would be too long is it's really not treating cancer, it's treating people. And in fact, uh, if you could say it all in a name, it would be uh, uh, Treatment of People Living with Cancer Centers of America is 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 it's never about the cancer it's never about the tumor it's never about the the intervention uh that's aimed at the cancer or the tumor it's about the whole person body mind and spirit and so we seek certainly the the best of scientific intervention very exciting equipment we scour the world some of the equipment we have here at our center in Philadelphia is is we bring it to America for the first time from places like the European Cancer Institute in Milan. We seek also to integrate the best of technology. We seek to have the, the best of talent, whether it be the, the greatest surgeons we can find, or the greatest uh, medical oncologists and radiation oncologists with the latest and greatest tools, and to integrate all of that with nutrition and naturopathic support and psychological support and mind-body medicine and spiritual support, and anything else we can find, chiropractic and acupuncture. And, uh, and I mentioned nutrition. I didn't mention the culinary team that includes uh, Chef Shoup and an amazing team that makes Chef Shoup look good, as, as uh, Chef Shoup is, in fact, the 17th certified master chef in the United States, who's here for his heart because of his own experience with cancer in his family. He could be at any resort or restaurant in the world, and he's here because of the mission he feels in his heart to be here. Same with our director of pastoral care, Mike Berry. And so it's a, it's, a, it's a full team who make me proud to work with, and yet as great as they are, they're surpassed by, by our patients and their courage as they come from all over the country and beyond, an average of 500 miles for state-of-the-art cancer treatment, patients who are often suffering from late-stage cancer, from, uh, from complex cancers, and certainly a large number of patients from Philadelphia. And so to get 
an average of over 500 miles. That includes patients coming from Bangor, Maine, and from Florida, and from the Caribbean, and from Hawaii, and Alaska, and even from Greece, and Uruguay, and all over the world. And these are amazingly inspiring, courageous people who have been given up on in many cases, who have been told there's no choice, there's no hope, go home and die. Some of these people come here and, and die. But many of them, even those who don't, who we don't have success in reversing the disease, tell us their only regret. I hear this over and over. My one regret, my one complaint, is that somebody didn't tell me about what could be done here sooner. And there are many others who have been told that they're dying, who you see courageous people. It's not easy. We can't make it easy either. But we see partnering with them that they rally and diseases reverse that are supposed to be irreversible. And patients who have come here with late-stage pancreatic cancer near death, who today, years later, remain cancer-free and healthy and vibrant, celebrating life. And I honestly can think of nothing more rewarding or inspiring than to be working with these courageous cancer patients. It's kind of almost funny when people say they don't know what I do and they learn I work at a cancer hospital and they say, oh, that must be depressing. And I say funny because it's so opposite. And, and, and it's kind of fun to share with them the joy that we get from working with such courageous people. And, and I say we because that's what it's about. It's, it's, it's about a shared purpose. It's about a team. And it's, it's so rewarding. John, it's an inspiring testimonial that you've just made to the, I want to say, the integrative care model that I shared with our audience uh, during the introduction. Uh, You expressed it so beautifully in terms of who participates and why, and it sounds to me like it's the best of the best doing what they do from their heart with their talents and skills in delivering on this mother's standard of care. Now, let me ask you, what are some of the most common leadership issues you see that uh, you know most people are facing in today's market, but that, that you in particular see as critical to the success um, of your mission? And, and I know that you've said in the past that listening is key, and what do you mean by that? So that's a two-part question. What are the most common leadership issues, and then what do you mean by listening is key? Well, in fact, uh, all too often in a, in a healthcare arena facing a disease like cancer, patients are confronted with, uh, with um, technology, with, with drugs, and with interventions that they don't understand. And they'll even say things like, uh, Doctor, I don't understand what you just told me. I trust you know what you're doing, but what can I do for myself? And, and sadly, our patients often tell us stories about things that seem almost incomprehensible. You know it's well-intended people who have said to them before they got here things like, uh, as the patient says, what can I do for myself? What should I eat, for example? And and are told things like, it doesn't matter what you eat. Go have a Big Mac. You're going to die anyway. And it's tragic. It's such bad advice nutritionally, and even more importantly, it's such terrible advice for the mind-body, for the mind-body connection, if they have any hope at all of beating that disease, that kind of a discouraging message just beats the hope out of them. And yet they have enough hope that they come here to see what can be done and, in fact, what they eat 
their nutrition is critically important. But the point to your question comes back to listening, even listening to their questions and listening to what it is that they value. And, and there are a lot of things done here that I think are brilliant that I had nothing to do with and, that, and our greatest physicians didn't even think of, but that our patients thought of. And, and uh, it's, it's, I, I don't, when it comes to cancer treatment and, and helping people in a fight for their lives, I can't go along with the philosophy of don't sweat the small stuff because the small stuff, the details are so important. And so creating uh, the room table environment in the dining room where natural support groups form, that was a patient suggestion. The spa that we just opened for where patients can get their hair and their nails, their pedicure and their manicure and their facials and that kind of thing, that was a patient suggestion. And those little things become just as important as the, as the state-of-the-art radiation and the intraoperative radiation therapy and the surgery. It's, it's the combination of everything, and it comes, from, it comes from listening to stakeholders who are our employees, every, every employee here. They have great suggestions. The employee who last orientation, a new stakeholder, said, we need our vision, our mission, our values on a single pocket-sized piece of paper and a marketing department that turned that around in less than a week so that now, not only here in Philadelphia, but all of our cancer centers have that because we listen to a stakeholder. And when you listen to stakeholders, employees, and customers, patients in our case, and you respond, it just generates more good ideas. And, and that's, that's such an important part. If, in fact, in a leadership role, if you want to look good, Simply listen to what people on the front line are saying. That's where the great ideas are. It's fascinating that what you've just said is you practice one of your, I think one of your tenets, which is patient-empowered medicine. Did I say that right? Yes. And listening to the questions is important, but knowing that patients as a global whole, if you listen carefully, do have some of the answers. Yeah, we're, we're often known for our integrated medicine model with uh, naturopathy and nutrition and psychology all integrated with state-of-the-art medicine. In other circles, we might be known for some superb technology that doesn't exist in other centers and other circles for world-class surgeons or world-class oncologists. But in truth, none of that is what we're about. We're about the patient and about patient empowerment. And so all of those are tools. We're tools in their hands. As, as, we, as we bring to them information, education, uh, and access, uh, it's, it's, it's not about the integration. It's not about the technology. It's about the patient, and that's what it has to always be about. John, when you, um, when you think about all that you have achieved, all the cancer treatment centers of America have achieved, and we have four regional medical centers or centers of excellence, one in Philadelphia, which is eastern, where you reside, one is in southwestern in Tulsa, one in um, Zion outside of Chicago, which is uh, midwestern, and our newest hospital, western, in uh, the Phoenix area. When you think about this uh, track record, I want you to think about what skills and strengths you feel have served you best 
We're going to go to a break, so I'm going to give you a couple minutes there to think about that. And when we come back, I want you to share with our audience, arriving at today and looking at your track record, what skills and strengths have served you best in this role? You're listening to Leadership Development News, so don't go away. We'll be right back. Stocks, bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. We can help. Call us now toll-free, 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Let Kathy Greenberg teach you and your team how to harness the power of happiness to generate even greater success and satisfaction at work. Did you know by applying coaching and the new science of happiness, you can improve your return on people anywhere from 50% to 350%. At H2C, we believe in both a return on people, that's ROP, as much as return on investment, or ROI. Kathy Greenberg, New York Times bestselling author of What Happy Working Mothers Know and internationally acclaimed What Happy Companies Know, is the leading global expert on coaching combined with the new science of happiness and originator of the Happiness Equals Profits business formula. Kathy's company, H2C, Happy Companies, Healthy People, provides practical knowledge for individuals and entire companies to maximize their potential in as little as one day. Kathy is available for one-to-one executive coaching, group programs, and as an electrifying conference speaker. Catch Kathy Greenberg at leading conferences and as a spokesperson for Cancer Treatment Centers of America. For free tips and downloads, visit Kathy's award-winning book site, WhatHappyWorkingMothersKnow.com. Or for distinctive learning, practical solutions, and proven results for your business, visit Kathy Greenberg at H2CLeadership.com. That's H2CLeadership.com. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You're listening to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers with your hosts, Dr. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We know you have leadership questions for these noted experts, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Leadership Development News. We're having an insightful conversation with John McNeil, CEO and President of Cancer Treatment Centers of America at Eastern Regional Medical Center. John, right before we went to break, I asked you the question, looking across your track record and arriving at today, what skills and strengths do you feel have served you best in your career in both good times and tough times? Certainly. uh, We've been talking some about uh, what's done here, the philosophy is the team. And, and in focusing on the team, I think one of the most important things I can bring to bear is my part as president and CEO in helping us find a great team, the recruitment, uh, seeking to find the right kind of talent, and recognizing the importance of that. I, I, uh, I had a mentor once, uh, Bob Walker, who was a CEO I worked with for a number of years, who used to say, John, learn as much from the people you don't want to be like as those you do. 
And I remember one telling a group, a CEO telling a group of volunteers that they needed to understand he wasn't going to have time for them because he was too busy. And I remember another CEO who had a reputation of uh, everybody off the elevator because I need to get to the top floor fast. And, and, and sadly, they, they, rightly or wrongly, what they're dealing with is important, but it creates a perception, sadly, that everyone else's work is not as important when, in fact, it's probably more important. And, and so to create an environment and a culture where, and in fact, that would be, I guess, a part of what I would seek to bring, is, is the development of a culture that, that understands that it's not about me. It's not even about my chairman and founder, Richard J. Stevenson. It's about the patient and that, in fact, even our chairman uh, works for the patient. And so we all do. And so it's creating that culture of understanding that, in fact, in our hospital here in Philadelphia, we have world-class physicians that we can be proud to even meet and be in the same room with. And just as important as Rosa, who will tell you when you meet her in the front entrance of the hospital, little short Rosa with her white hair, and she'll tell you, I don't speak much English. And yet Rosa connects with people through her eyes right to their heart. And as she's keeping the surfaces polished and the entrance to the hospital clean, she's doing more than that. She's doing her part through her smile and through those few words that she does say that are well understood that this is somebody who cares. And I have had patient family members tell me when their loved one was at their darkest moment in the ICU very sick, that Rosa would go up when she got off duty. She'd clock out, go up and hold their hand, not say a word, just hold their hand and look them in the eyes. And that meant as much to them as the great medical talent that also was necessary to intervene at a critical time. Of uh, the importance of Big Lou, who saved a man's life with a hug, of the love and Big Lou it works in the housekeeping team here. And it's, it's recognizing the importance of finding the right talent, the needle in the haystack, the person who understands that the work done here, and I believe for any successful business, if there's no purpose in that business, then get out of the business. That the work, that business succeeding, should fulfill a purpose. And, and that in instilling a shared purpose, in, in recognizing it's not through command and control, it's through people working in shared purpose that amazing things can happen. And so instilling, recruiting the right person, we screen out at least 100 people for everyone we hire. As we seek the needle in the haystack, the person understands it's not about a job, it's about a purpose. It's a way of life even. As we seek to make a difference in the lives of people who come seeking our assistance, and we seek to make a difference for them, every one of them, when they come through our door and they tell us we do, but in so doing, they even make a bigger difference in our lives than we make in theirs, I believe. And so it's, it's that talent quest, it's that shared vision, it's creating a culture, and also a culture of innovation. And it's continually looking at innovation and processes, learning how we can be more focused on our patient and not take for granted that what we did yesterday works for tomorrow, our innovation and technology, our innovation and talent. And all of that, the talent, the culture, the innovation, the shared vision, comes together in powerful, powerful results, both for the individual patient, who's our customer, that's who we work for, that's my boss, 
It's also my friend. It's also my family. But it also creates powerful results for the business so that we don't have to focus on money. In fact, I believe that backfires. That'd be another guiding principle. I believe if you focus on money, you don't have any. If you focus on your customer, in our case, people living with cancer, and of course you have to make good business decisions along the way. You have to be reimbursed. You have to be paid for the service you provide. You have to provide services that are of value, that are valued, and that are paid for. But if you focus not on the not on the money, you focus on the customer, that value proves true every time, and the payment for the services proves true, and we do very, we're very successful. We're growing successfully as an organization with that focus. It's a, it's a miracle that there is any place in this universe that gets it as deeply as you do, and to me, John, that comes from actually having a leader who sees the world as a place for compassion, while also using logic, intellect, and being able to see how one can possibly cure this terrible illness in the future. What what do you feel are the key skills that you look for in other leaders to come to Cancer Treatment Centers of America and share that mission? Certainly, there's an entry-level requirement that, is, uh, that includes a skill set in whatever aspect of leadership they bring. If it's an oncologist, you want somebody who, who uh, first of all, is a great medical oncologist. They know, the, they know the interventions possible, and they know what needs to be done, and they have the, the experience and the knowledge and the education to use it all. Now, that, in fact, is... is where most hospitals, I believe, stop. It's called credentialing. Do you have a degree from the right institution? Do you have a license from the right licensing agency? And, and, that's, and that's where they stop. Do you have a board certification? Do you have additional education? We wouldn't take anybody who doesn't. But that's just the very basic entry-level requirements. And we interview many, many people who have outstanding entry-level requirements, and they don't have what matters most after that. And, in fact, it's, it's not what I think. In fact, we will usually involve patients in interviewing, especially clinical leaders, but also other, other kinds of leaders, is what does the patient value? And that's where you quickly get into the heart, if you will, the, the caring, the compassion, the recognition that I may be the world's greatest expert in chemotherapies and how these various chemicals interact with various cell division stages and cancer at different stages. And I may be able to talk eloquently about the impact on cell division of cancer cells and the recognition that that's not what matters most, that you can find that in any cancer center, in any hospital, and that what matters most is stepping back and saying, okay, this is good. We need to understand this. But how, what do we understand? What do we need to know from each patient? As if, as if this patient were my mother, I've had patients tell me that physicians sometimes tell them when they're complaining about, it's, I'm having to wait three weeks to get in to see you, doctor, and now you want me to go see another specialist, and it's going to be a three-week wait to see him. 
And then I know when he sees me, he's going to maybe recommend some diagnostic treatment or, or diagnostic or, or, or treatment modality that's going to be another weight. In the meantime, there's this foreign object growing in my body that needs to be dealt with. It's all taking too long. And they'll say things like the doctor turned to me and said, you need to understand cancer's not an emergency. You'll be just fine. Well, that's, we know, not good advice that if the cancer's growing, it needs to be dealt with. But take that same physician who says that and put the cancer in their mother or in their wife and suddenly they understand this is an emergency. Well, that's the kind of process we want every, every physician, every leader here to understand this isn't just dealing with, with just the medical science and whether or not it's an emergency. It's an emotional emergency. It's, it's, a, it's a critically important issue. It's a life and death issue for this person that they're facing, even if the cancer right now is not life and death. That's where cancer takes our minds to. I was diagnosed with cancer nine years ago. I turned out it took me six weeks, and it was before I knew of CTCA. It took me six weeks to get worked up and find out I was misdiagnosed. I didn't have cancer. And for six weeks, even though I knew better as a healthcare professional, I'm a registered nurse, and I knew better. But for six weeks, I thought I was dying. And and we understand that's what words like cancer can do to people and that we have to, when you understand this is your family, when you have leaders who understand this is their family, it inspires a different kind of reaction than if it's just a job. And so it's looking for that sense of purpose and the talent and the understanding it's not about command and control. It's about empowering people to sometimes break the rules to achieve a shared vision. John, it's fascinating as you speak to hear the intensity, the love, uh, the, the total involvement you have in what you do and the experiences that you're sharing. Uh, we are focused, obviously, on a very deadly opponent, that word cancer, obviously. And when we come back from this break, I'd like you to share at least one personal success story about advice you gave to someone that made a real difference in their life. You're listening to Leadership Development News, so don't go away. We'll be right back. Whether the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now. Toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Most leaders underestimate their influence and power over others and thus underperform. Dr. Relly Nadler and Leaders Playbook help leaders point the way by providing the strategic place to get to the top in a simple paint-by-the-numbers process. Seasoned and emerging leaders will have answers to these questions. What are the steps to move up and become a star in your organization? How do you develop your people to be the next level leaders in the organization? What are your triggers that are holding you back and how do you manage them? How do you maximize your power and influence so you and your team perform better what do you do to ensure your communication is received accurately 
you delegate effectively? How do you develop strong relationships across the organization? Emotional intelligence training, coaching, books, and tools by Dr. Nadler are available at his website, www.truenorthleadership.com or 805-683-1066. Let Kathy Greenberg teach you and your team how to harness the power of happiness to generate even greater success and satisfaction at work. Did you know by applying coaching and the new science of happiness, you can improve your return on people anywhere from 50% to 350%. At H2C, we believe in both a return on people, that's ROP, as much as return on investment, or ROI. Kathy Greenberg, New York Times bestselling author of What Happy Working Mothers Know and internationally acclaimed What Happy Companies Know, is the leading global expert on coaching combined with the new science of happiness and originator of the Happiness Equals Profits business formula. Kathy's company, H2C, Happy Companies, Healthy People, provides practical knowledge for individuals and entire companies to maximize their potential in as little as one day. Kathy is available for one-to-one executive coaching, group programs, and as an electrifying conference speaker. Catch Kathy Greenberg at leading conferences and as a spokesperson for Cancer Treatment Centers of America. For free tips and downloads, visit Kathy's award-winning book site, whathappyworkingmothersknow.com. Or for distinctive learning, practical solutions, and proven results for your business, visit Kathy Greenberg at h2cleadership.com. That's h2cleadership.com. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio, Voice America Business Network. listening to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers with your hosts, Dr. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We know you have leadership questions for these noted experts, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Leadership Development News. We are so honored today to have John McNeil, the CEO and President of Cancer Treatment Centers of America, Eastern Regional Medical Center, with us today talking about uh, actually the profiles and practices of a top performer. But as you've heard throughout the show, uh, John is totally focused on his adversary, obviously cancer, his advocates, his patients, and uh, his lifelong love of learning. And I would love to ask this question, John, and um, and I'd love for you to answer it from your heart as a personal success story. I know that's hard for you. You love to give away your your power to others, but I'd love for you to share a personal success story, something about advice you gave to someone that made a real difference in their life. Well, and in, in, in so doing, that is talking about others and and they're my inspiration, and and uh, I learned so much from them. And uh, a, a number of stories come to mind from uh, working with uh, aspiring leaders and successes in their lives to uh, to uh, always coming back though to uh, to patients. And uh, some of them uh, tug at my heart as uh, as even advice that I have given that went beyond that proved to be more valuable than I imagined because of how it was interpreted and used in ways beyond what I'd even envisioned. And, and as an example, in fact, I just mentioned uh, 
the importance of sometimes breaking the rules. And let me clarify that with a story and, and, uh, and use of some advice. We would never, ever break the rules for ourselves, and we would never encourage that or support that. That would get us in trouble. That would get uh, somebody working here in trouble. But, uh, but what we mean by that is if you're breaking rules on behalf of a patient, then you're in a very good place to be. That's empowerment. You don't need empowerment to follow rules. That's just rule following. You need people to understand what the rules are, and you need them to understand what the goal behind the rule is so that they'll know when that rule needs to be broken and when and how they can break it safely. And, and, uh, and so, for example, a man had been in a, a fight for his life with cancer for some time and had taken a turn for the worse. He, had, uh, he, had, uh, he traveled from Pittsburgh to Philadelphia for cancer care. And... and uh, and it was one of our stakeholders who had heard me talk about the importance of breaking rules for the patient that, that took an intervention that meant so much to him. He uh, had shared with her, he had a love of Pittsburgh and a rivalry with Philadelphia, but had shared with her on, on one of his trips to Philadelphia he'd hoped to enjoy one of the good things Philadelphia was known for, a Philly cheesesteak and a couple of Guinness. And he came to see me one day. He said, I just found out after five years of successfully battling this aggressive lung cancer that I'd taken a turn for the worse. I was feeling in the dining room, feeling down, feeling sorry for myself. And in walked Kathy with a Philly cheesesteak and a couple of Guinness for me. He said, I know it's against the rules to bring beer into the hospital. She broke the rules for me. Now, I might have given advice on the appropriateness of breaking rules for a patient think through your actions, think through the purpose of the rules, not knowing that a respiratory therapist would interpret them in that way. But he said, you wouldn't believe the difference that made for me, how that cheered me. Now, in checking back with Kathy, the respiratory therapist, she hadn't checked with her supervisor to see if it was okay. But she'd done the one thing she needed to do, and that was check with his medical oncologist to make sure that it wouldn't interfere with his treatment plan, and he'd assured her it wouldn't. He broke the rules for her. I mean, I mean, she broke the rules for the patient. And, uh, and it was just a powerful moment. And another, one, one other similar story, uh, uh, unfortunate outcome, and yet a fortunate part to the outcome. Not everybody fights cancer and wins, although we have tremendous success stories. We also have people who get sick and die, unfortunately, in a cancer hospital. And... and uh, the nurses called me one day and asked if I thought it'd be okay if they brought a dog into the hospital. And so we talked it through together. What uh, should we be concerned about? What's the infection control risk? How can we help mitigate that? What's the, is there a risk of somebody being bit? Is there a risk of an immunocompromised patient, even if there's no real risk of them being harmed by the dog? Is there a risk that there'll be a fear of harm? How do we overcome those risks and think it through together? And I thought that'd be the end of the story. That evening, I went over to the hospital, and one of the guest services ladies said, there's a, there's a person waiting for a ride. You should introduce yourself to her. Her daughter just died here. Now, I have a wife of 30 years, the love of my life, and a 26-year-old son and a 24-year-old daughter. And I can tell you, if anything happened to any of them, I'd be in no condition to talk to anyone. 
And so I went and introduced myself with some trepidation. And she said, Mr. CEO, I'm glad to meet you. You need to know, and her words at first went right to my heart, you need to know I didn't want my daughter here. And, and then she went on, though. She said she wanted to be here. Her, her husband wanted her here. It was their choice, not mine. I didn't want her here because I knew how sick she was. I didn't think you could help her. But she treated as a patient, did far better than any of us expected possible. And, and, and even so, she did get sicker over time. And, and, and as she did better than any of us thought possible, I too came to realize it was the best thing that we could have done. But when she got even sicker, I was again saddened when they made the decision to admit her to the hospital. And her words, not mine, a mother talking of her only that afternoon departed daughter. I didn't want her admitted to the hospital because I knew how sick she was. I knew the only way she'd leave was in a box. And I knew how much she loved her little dog, and I knew she'd never see it again. And she said, I don't know how the nurses did it. And, and I'd have to say the nurses did it. I didn't do it. They called me. And they didn't even need to have called me. They, they called, though, and they, they worked through the details how to make it happen. She said, I don't know how the nurses did it, but they brought her little dog in. She'd already slipped into a state of unconsciousness, but they put the dog on her bed and she actually sensed it. I'd been there holding her hand. I didn't think she knew I was still there. They put the dog on her bed. She woke up. She put her hand on the dog's head. She raised her head off the pillow and got the biggest smile you could imagine and then laid her head back in the pillow and died. I'm so glad she was here, this mother said. There's no place else I would have wanted her, as she said with tears streaming down her eyes. That's, that's the power of a little bit of advice about the importance of the purpose of the rule. If need be, break a rule, carry out the purpose. And seeing the advice realized by a team of CTCA stakeholders, nurses and doctors, as they work to carry out the purpose, and the results are rewarding even sometimes in creating a better death, of course, our goal is always to beat death, is to beat the disease and have a different outcome than that. And, and, uh, but even at end of life, the, the importance of breaking the rules and of, of, of keeping the patient first, it's not about the rules and never will be. John, that was an, an amazing story. It's an engaging experience. I'm sitting here emotionally wrenched trying to hold back uh, my own tears and I, I just want to thank you for sharing. Uh, you're obviously a rare person, a rare leader, uh, a gifted speaker uh, and storyteller. Um, might I suggest that one of these days you actually record many of these stories and share them with both the families of patients and caregivers as well as those who are, uh, I want to say, kind of invigorated by places like Cancer Treatment Centers of America, knowing they can make a difference even as a volunteer. Um, just as we come to a, a close on the show today, in your opinion, where can the average person get the best, basic, easy-to-understand information about cancer treatment? The Internet is a, is a, is a powerful resource. And is, and is there a, a, a specific CTCA? There, there, is, there, there is. There's a com. Cancercenter.com. Which is a, which is a wealth of, of powerful information. And, uh, and there's, there are many other sources on the Internet as you, as you Google cancer and cancer treatment. Um, and, and, of course, uh, cancercenter.com is, is one of my favorite sources of information and patient empowerment and patient stories that are empowering. 
and and there are other other uh, uh, good resources. With the caveat that one does have to be a little bit careful that just because it's on the internet, uh, you do want to check your source, and uh, and that's uh, and that's where it's good to have a a, a trusted a trusted healthcare professional, uh, a, a physician, a nurse. Uh, uh, or for that matter, uh, uh, if, it's, if it's a specific question about cancer that somebody is facing, they can even pick up the phone and call uh, 888-841-9129. There are a team of trained professionals standing by 24 hours a day, seven days a week at that number, 888-841-9129. And, John, as we come to a close here, let me first express uh, the gratitude of both myself and Dr. Raleigh Nadler, who couldn't be with us today, but I'm sure he'll listen to this show, uh, for sharing your professional insights with us today on many levels. It's been an inspiring conversation, and I just want to say that uh, it's leaders like you who make the world a better place and who make days like this on leadership development news and inspiring opportunity to share with our audience. Thank you so much. Thank you, Kathy. You've been listening to Leadership Development News, and we look forward to your continued success. You've been listening to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers with your hosts, Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We sincerely hope that you gained some great ideas and inspiration on how to elevate your leadership skills. Join us again next Monday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time right here on the Voice America Business Channel. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.